energy. So the barber trims my beard all nice, like an artist. Now I didn't tell him to do that. I wanted the beard gone. So then I went home and shaved it off completely after I was done. I felt horrible. The passion. Rafael Devers is the biggest contract in franchise history. He needs to be a leader for this Red Sox team. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Are the Patriots close to playoff contention? Yes. Are they close to Super Bowl contention? Hell no. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. God, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to say that. I am happy. CBS News Brief. The Hi, thank you. I am happy to be back. I missed all of you. Thank you to Greg Titus. Thank you to everybody who filled in for me on this show, on the news, etc. But I am happy to be back. We have a short show tonight, 30 minutes. We're up until just after 6. Uh, all the content really goes until 6. I'll give you the Red Sox lineups right before the pregame show begins at 6.05. First pitch is 7.05 here on DEV. We're rolling through 30 minutes, no guests. We got some Red Sox stuff. We got some Celtic stuff. You can get in, as always, 802-585-3026. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes. Again, 802-585-3026 is the phone number. And uh, let's just get right to it. I, I really did miss you. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Six and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sixandstuff.com. Again, I do want to thank Greg and anyone who, who filled in for me over the last couple of days. Um, and I also want to thank all of you that reached out on the text line. I came back to several messages on the text line. Um, it was a hard week. It was a hard week. Um, for those of you who don't know, I mentioned it last week, but uh, again, maybe not everybody was listening at the time I mentioned. My grandmother passed away last week at the age of 97, and the services were this week. They ended, They were Tuesday morning, so that's why I was out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for the services for and for travel. And then yesterday, we didn't have a show because we had the, short, the uh, early Red Sox time. So thank you to everybody who reached out to me. Thanks to everyone for their condolences. Um, I'm 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 happy I was there. Um, I should have been there. Obviously, I'm also happy to be back. I I felt bad leaving the show at a time when I thought it was a really good sports week. Right? I wanted to talk about the NFL draft with you. I wanted to talk about the Celtics playoff game one loss. I wanted to talk about the Bruins getting beat. I want to talk about the Red Sox. So there's been so much to get to. I felt bad not being here, but uh, I appreciate that all of you understood. And it, it was a tough week. It was a tough week in a couple of different ways. And and I won't spend much of this 30-minute show on this, but uh, I've been very fortunate in life. I'm 33 years old. That was only my second funeral. That was only my second funeral. And I've been fortunate in life that a lot of people that I love are still with me. There have been some, you know, logistical things or age concerns that prevented me to from getting to some other things in my life. But uh, yeah, it was only my second funeral, 
and it was surreal. And the first funeral that I was at was not for my own family member. It doesn't make it any less tragic, but I didn't grasp the scope of it. So this was a new and surreal experience um, for me. It was hard. It's hard to think about my grandma no longer being here. It was hard to see my family be emotional about it, see my dad be emotional about it. My dad spoke um, at the funeral. I got emotional when he spoke. I was incredibly proud of him. I didn't know he was speaking. That was kind of a late adjustment to the to the schedule of events, I guess, and I'm glad that he did. Um, it was hard, and I'm happy I was there, but it was difficult to get through in a, in a bunch of different ways. The weather was – you talk about weather for a funeral, weather commiserate with the mood – it was 40 degrees, rainy and windy and raw, and it rained every day that we were there. It was just so bleak. It was perfectly fitting for what the activity was that we were doing. But as, as dreary as it was, as sad as it was, it was nice to see family that I don't see often. It was nice to be with my family for three days, who I don't live right next door to. So I, I know... That given what we were going through, you weren't supposed to have any fun per se, but I was able to take some good out of it, especially being with my family for three days, um, again, who I don't live next door to. And we came back and we stopped in Niagara Falls and we did have a good time on Wednesday coming to Niagara Falls. We ate at the Anchor Bar, the home of the original Chicken Wing, and that was a blast. And I saw Niagara Falls for the very first time and we were able to turn it at the end of the trip into a fun, you know, into a fun day. And that was important. And that was a good time too. So I'm appreciative of that opportunity. The, the services were in Cleveland and I got to tell you, I am still feeling it like physically, mentally, emotionally. I feel like a zombie because listen to the, I know a lot of you have obviously at some point in your life had a travel experience from hell this wasn't so much from hell in terms of something happened to us, but my God, do I feel out of it still. So Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, now six days ago, I drove back to Albany, right? That was a three-hour trip. No big deal. I've done that a million times. I was there on Sunday. No big deal. Monday morning, we go to Cleveland, drive to Cleveland. Nine hours, you stop for a bathroom break here, you go eat dinner there. It was every bit of 12 hours plus for the travel experience to Cleveland. We leave it 11 a.m. Maybe it wasn't 12 hours, maybe 10 hours. We leave it 11 a.m. We got to our hotel room at 9.30 at night. Okay, I had some work to do, so I did some work. I was up until midnight or so. Okay, no big deal. I did most of the driving. So, you know, at this point I'm a little stiff, but no big deal. Tuesday is the services. It's a mentally, it's just a, a mentally and emotionally draining day. Wednesday, we drive right back. We drive back from Cleveland to Albany. Eight hours plus, stop in Niagara Falls. We get back. We left at 9 a.m. We get back to Albany at 9 p.m. It's a 12 hour trip every bit of the time, you know, every bit of it. I did most of the driving there too. I did like six of the eight hours probably, or maybe five and a half. Of the eight hours. Okay, fine. I was going to leave from Albany on on Wednesday night to come back here. And then as I was getting closer to thinking about leaving, as we're getting closer to pulling into my parents' driveway, I'm like, I, I can't do this tonight. 
So I stayed back in Albany on Wednesday night, watched the Celtics game, watched game two, and that was great. Listened to, had listened to the first half in the car, watched the second half. And then Thursday morning comes, and I've got to be at work, right? i got to be back here for the midday news service at noon, and I had to stop off at home first to get some stuff. So I got up at 6 in the morning on Thursday, which is early for me. I usually wake up about 8.15, given my hours. And I get up at 6, and I leave Albany at 7. I get back to my place here at 10. I immediately get in the car. I had to be back here at work for 10.45 for something that I had to do. I had to interview Buster Olney yesterday. I had to interview him at like 11.15, so I had to get ready. So... I, I so I get you know I get up early I get back to work and then last night I had a basketball game, right? It's a basketball league the the league in Essex I always talk about, and I've played really well in this session like really well, I mean like thirty points here thirty four points there twenty eight points here I've been shooting it well I've been playing the best I've played in a long time. Yesterday I could not have been worse. I think finally last night the car ride really caught up to me. I think the week really caught up to me. I had 12 points yesterday. I played in this league for a year. I never scored 12 points before. I scored 12 points yesterday. I had to have been I had to have been 5 for 25 from the floor. Like you could not have shot worse than I did. I shot a lot. I shot poorly. I tried to shoot myself out of the slump, made it worse. It was ugly. I apologize to my teammates because I lost the game for us. I took quick shots, ill-advised shots, bad shots, missed all the shots. It was horrible. And I think the car ride finally caught up to me. Finally caught up to me. It was it was ugly. And today, I'm still paying for it. I, I feel like a zombie, not so much physically, but kind of just mentally out of it. Uh, Mike in South Hero says, sorry for your loss. Thank you very much, Mike. Much appreciated. And there's a couple other texts there on the text line. So I do appreciate all of you. Uh, but I am back, and we have a short show today. Again, just the 30 minutes, 20 minutes left at this point. Tomorrow, or uh, next week, rather, we're going to have some more long shows uh, in our you know, in our calendar. And I'm thrilled about that. Monday, we got a full show. Tuesday, Wednesday, we got longer shows. Thursday, we got a long show next week. So we, next week, we can dive into a lot of things that I've wanted to dive into. I really want to recap the Patriots draft because that was interesting. We'll do that on Monday, and we'll hopefully get a Patriots insider with us to do that. But uh, today, I'm back. I'm happy to be back. We wage on for the next 20 minutes or so. I want to step aside briefly, get you the words from our advertisers. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Celtics. Mike Greenberg said something on ESPN Radio this week that I think – is probably being taken as an overreaction. I actually think he's dead on. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. So I've obviously been out for a couple of days, right? And as a result of that, I went through an entire week's worth of audio. Right to see what I had missed, what people were saying, what the scuttle was around sports, you know, for our teams. Right, I had watched sports, but I hadn't done a lot of following what other people were saying. So after the Celtics lost Game One, Mike Greenberg said something on ESPN Radio that I have to imagine on Tuesday morning he got pretty panned for. But three days later, 
I think Mike Greenberg was right. Listen to this, okay? This is from Tuesday morning after the Celtics lost game one against the 76ers. The Celtics, I think, could be playing for their future. If this thing goes sideways, I do wonder if that will be the end of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown sees himself in a little different light. One year left on the deal. I think it'll be very interesting to see if this thing just goes really sideways, really badly. I wonder if they make a decision to make what would be a seismic trade this offseason. If they get knocked out here, particularly if Embiid isn't able to come back, I think that could be the beginning of something different in Boston. I mean, that sounds probably in the moment on Tuesday morning like an overreaction. Three days later, I think Mike Greenberg is dead right. I have said that for weeks. And as we go to game three tonight, I'm saying it again. The Boston Celtics better win this series. The Boston Celtics better win the title this year. Because if they don't, I think they are at risk of fragmenting. I don't know that if they don't win it this year, if the team is going to break up. But if they don't win it this year, I could easily see the team having issues that causes them to slide and therefore makes it harder for them to win next year. Everybody thinks, oh, we got a young team. We got two superstars. They're both under contract. Ah, if they don't win it, we'll just run it back next year. Not necessarily. I have been worried about this for weeks. Ever since Jalen Brown came out in that, I think, GQ article and said, you know, I don't know how long I'll be here. Depends how long I'm happy. Depends how long they want me. Ever since then, I started to worry about the Celtics' future. I can't promise you there is a next year. And if there is, I can't promise you that next year isn't messy. You better just win it now. Jason Tatum did not play well the other night. Jalen Brown did. I think Mike Greenberg is right. I think Jalen Brown sees himself in a different way than we see him. We see him as Robin to Batman. I think he looks at it like when JT is struggling, I'm the guy who carries the team, and I can carry the team here, or I can carry the team somewhere else. And I think somehow, some way, that can cause an issue. If you don't win the title, I think that causes an issue. Does Jalen Brown go to Brad Stevens and say, look, man, give me... A max contract. I'm a max contract player. I'm a, I'm a free agent at the end of next year. I want a brand new deal, and I want it to be massive. Does that cause an Does Jalen Brown do that, and does that cause an issue? Will the Celtics go further into the luxury tax to meet it? Will the Celtics say we're not going to meet it, and now you've got a disgruntled Jalen Brown playing out the last year of his deal, and he's not invested? Does you have a disgruntled Jalen Brown, and the Celtics say, okay, now we're going to have to trade him because we're not going to pay him, and he's not going to resign here? Does Jalen Brown just straight up say, hey, I want to go the way of Terry Rozier and just go be my own guy and get max dollars and do my own thing and be the leader somewhere else rather than seen as second fiddle? All of this is possible. All of this is on the table. Al Horford is older. Blake Griffin, who's a great chemistry guy, is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. This Is the chemistry harder? Derek White's going to go into the last year of his deal. What does he want to do contract-wise, and how does that impact things? There are sticky situations ahead for the Celtics if they don't win this thing. You do not just repeat success guaranteed, right? Phoenix Suns got to the 
uh, finals in the 2021-2022 season, got rolled last year in the playoffs. Wasn't easy to repeat success. They go get Kevin Durant this year. They got Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. They got Devin Booker, and they're down two nothing to Denver. You don't just you aren't just guaranteed better than you were the year before just because you have good pieces. Look at the Bucks. Hey, they got Giannis. Hey, they got. Hey, they're getting healthy. Hey, Middleton's coming back. Hey, we're going to be good. Great regular season. Bupkis in the playoffs. Just because the Celtics have pieces that are under contract next year doesn't mean it's going to be as simple to rinse and repeat on what this year has been. You need to win it now. I think Mike Greenberg is right. The Celtics are potentially playing for their future. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think, did a great job this year of playing together. But does Jalen Brown look at Jason Tatum and say, hey, I'm every bit the player this guy is. These guys trust me more in the playoffs than they trust him. I'm more feared in the playoffs than he is. I can go do this somewhere else. Or you better damn well treat me as his equal here, and now you've got the egos. I don't know what's going to happen, but somehow, somewhere, something can happen. We see this all too often in sports where a young team that's supposed to grow together grows, reaches a point, and then splits. And I do not want that to be these Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving torpedoed the Cavs, right? They should have kept growing. The Warriors are really the only team that we could think of that stayed together and has been able to withstand everything. They had an incredibly selfless superstar in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, a ultimate, you know, no, he's a role, role player, but good Draymond Green. The Warriors are special. They're atypical. They're different. We saw this in the NFL, right? My Seahawks with the Legion of Boom should have been a dynasty. One bad call at the goal line, and the whole thing breaks off, and they're you know, barely relevant for five years. Teams that we think are going to be around forever just aren't. And the Celtics can be that team. And look, it's never going to be easier for the Celtics than it is right now. It's never going to be easier. Okay, look at the Eastern Conference. You're getting Embiid at less than 100%. There's no Giannis to go through. One of the Knicks and Heat are going to be gone, and I'm not like hugely big on either of them. I'm bigger on Miami. But at the end of the day, Miami was an eight seed. Can they really take this thing all the way? So I just I, I don't think it's ever going to be easier, certainly to get out of the East. And then out west, you may not have to deal with Durant. One of Curry or LeBron will be out. Denver is very good, but they have no experience. They don't have the experience that you have. And Phoenix may not get there either. So if you're the Celtics, take advantage of this opportunity. I think the Celtics will win today. I think the Celtics should win today. But they got to come out and they got to play with urgency. They got to play with pace. They got to set the tone. Because every time they don't, every time they slip up, we're one step closer to potential resentment, one step closer to potential fragmenting of this team. And I don't want to see that. And I know a lot of you don't want to see it as well. It's the Brady Farkas Show. 
on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. And look, I, I, I said this last week, and I'll stick with it now. Jalen Brown is establishing himself as this team's playoff alpha. It does not mean that Jalen Brown is better than Jason Tatum. It does not mean that I'd rather have Jalen Brown than Jason Tatum. But in the playoffs, I think Jalen Brown is the guy that I trust more to a point. I was talking with with uh, part-time Danny from Vermont Viewpoint and the Bill Sayer Show, who's the engineer of that show. He's great at what he does. He's a huge Celtics fan. We were talking earlier today, and he was right. He said, look, I trust Jalen Brown more, but I don't want to see him be a primary playmaker. That's fair. I don't want to see Jalen Brown have the ball in his hands all the time. I don't want to see him put the ball on the floor all the time. I don't want to see him dribble all the time. But when it comes to, hey, we're down too late, we need a bucket, Jalen Brown, I think, is my get-me-a-bucket guy over Jason Tatum right now. I think Jalen Brown is a phenomenal jump shot, good in the mid-range, good from three, good athleticism to create and get it off, and he's able to go to the bucket. He's a good free-throw shooter. I don't really trust Tatum at the line right now, and he really hasn't shot it well from three consistently. So if, the, if we get to a point today where the Celtics are down one with eight seconds, Jalen Brown's the guy I want with the ball in his hands. People will question me, oh, Brady, how can you say that? I love Tatum. I've loved Tatum since the moment they drafted him. Six years ago or whatever, when I was on another radio show, I advocated for the Celtics to draft Jason Tatum. I'm thrilled that they did. I didn't want Lonzo Ball. I didn't want Markel Fultz. I wanted Jason Tatum. And they got him. So I love Tatum. But Brown right now is the guy to me. He is the guy to me. Especially late. Again, don't need him to be a primary playmaker, but want the ball in his hands with the game on the line. All right, Red Sox. Sox are taking on the Phillies. What's going to happen is is we're going to go until 6. Then after the CBS News update, we will have the Red Sox lineups and the pregame show will start at 6.05. The Red Sox are rolling. I watched a little bit of a bunch of games in the time that I was gone. I watched... Some of Tuesday against Toronto, the win. I watched some of Wednesday against Toronto, and I watched some. Of, and I watched last night as well. Obviously, I was back. Red Sox are rolling. They have won six straight games. Yoshida's got a 14-game hit streak. They just swept Toronto and did things offensively in that series. They haven't we haven't seen in baseball in more than 100 years. They they are in third place right now. They're 19 and 14. The Red Sox, as I said they would be, are better than I was expecting. I still thought they would finish fourth or fifth. And they still might, but I said from the start they would be better than I thought they would be, and they certainly are that too. What I love about the Red Sox right now, they are just hard to play against. And that's the best compliment that you can give a team. It's that like that simple. Are you hard to play against? The Red Sox are. The Red Sox don't strike out. Top two in the league and lowest strikeout percentage. They hit home runs. They barrel up balls. I've got the stat here somewhere uh, that I'm trying to pull up as I go here. Um, oh, there it was. Second best on base percentage in baseball. Second lowest strikeout percentage. They don't chase. They don't go outside the zone. They don't K. They put the ball in play. They wear your pitchers out. They get on base. They cash in tickets. You can't ask for more than that. That is hard to play against. 
and they're getting contributions from up and down this lineup, right? One day it's Connor Wong, one day it's Alex Verdugo, one day it's Adam Duvall when he's healthy, one day it's Devers, one day it's Yoshida, one day it's Turner. They're getting contributions from everybody. And I asked Buster Olney of ESPN yesterday, is it time to change the tune on High and Bloom and give him some credit? You know, and it's interesting because, you know, writers that I really respect are basically saying it's time to start giving him credit. I, I, I'd say this. I've been around you know, been around New England in big markets long enough to, to say, it, it, you know, let's wait until we see if they actually make the playoffs. Because if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think you'd agree with me, the season's going to be considered a disappointment yep. by Red Sox fans. Give- so Buster says he's not ready yet to – kind of crown Haim Bloom as the world's best executive. That's fine. If you don't want to do that, at least acknowledge that Haim Bloom has done something right here. Right? I questioned Haim Bloom in the offseason. I wasn't crushing him like you were, but I questioned him, and that was fair. But if it's fair to do it then, it's also fair to give him some credit now. Haim Bloom and the Red Sox are doing something that works, and you have to acknowledge that. One, High and Bloom has clearly identified players that have something in them. Garrett Whitlock before, Cutter Crawford, Rob Refsnyder, Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez, Kenley Jansen. He has found players that have been useful to this team, and you have to acknowledge that. You also have to acknowledge that player development has been better than we thought it was. Alex Verdugo has grown. Connor Wong has grown. Jaron Duran has grown. And Manuel Valdez has come up and been good. Tanner Houck has grown. What they did with Whitlock. Josh Winkowski, who's been awesome this year, out of the bullpen. You are seeing high and bloom identify players and player development and coaching take those players and do a good job with them. And then Alex Cora gets credit for making the whole soup taste good. Right? He gets credit for making the whole thing taste good. Right now, what's working for the Red Sox is everybody's in this together and everybody's doing something productive. Bloom, player development, Cora, on-field coaches. They're not perfect. The starting rotation is still a question mark, but they are deeper than we expected, especially in the pitching department. They have been able to cover for injuries better than we thought they could offensively. And now... They've won six straight. They're in third place. And, you know, they're, well, look, we're a month and change into the season, and they're thought of as a real playoff contender. It's about the best you can hope for. It's better than we were expecting. They're taking on the Phillies. That's coming up here. Pre-game show is in six minutes. We'll get the CBS National News update. I'll come back and give you the Red Sox lineups. Chris Sale is on the mound for Boston. We'll take you through who's around Chris Sale and who he's pitching against. That's coming up next here in the Brady Farkas Show at WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, and always streaming on the free WDEV radio app.